All right. Just trying to make sure everybody's awake this morning. Looks like a lot of you had serious things going on this week. Uh, if you remember to pray for Nan today, also uh, remember to pray for Lois. She just finished her first week of radiation this week. She's got one and a half more weeks to go. Is that right, Dean? Another week and a half to go. Um, She's not here this morning, and I don't blame her. Can't imagine. Kind of zaps it out of you. So remember, remember Nan, but remember Lois as well. Um, and the danger when I start doing that is I know I forget somebody, and then somebody will be offended because I didn't remember them, and I'm sorry, but I'm just going to stop right there. Russ, it's good to see you, man. How were the ribs? Still a little sore. Yeah, you know about that too, don't you? Yeah, you do. How many ribs did you break a couple months ago? Three? Three? Nothing compared to Don's nine over there that he did a couple of years ago, but there's just sissy stuff there, man. <laughs> Can you imagine nine busted ribs? <laughs> I had a few cracked ones in high school when I was playing soccer, and man, is it hard to run and breathe when you have a cracked rib. Oh, it's just hard, and then if you get hit again, forget it. <laughs> we're glad you're here. Whether you had a rough week or not, we're glad you're here. We've um, been talking about Paul encouraging one another. So I'm going to ask you, I asked you this last week, I'm going to ask you again today, um, how many of you have been encouraged this, this past week by someone from this congregation. And if it's a spouse or a sibling, it doesn't count, okay? Because that's family. They're supposed to do that. And yes, we're the family of Christ, but we tend not to... You know, we, when, I, when we first got here, we, we, we always heard frequently, and we even heard in the community how that the people of First Baptist love each other. And, and there's been instances where um, when Penny had surgery, she, we, we ladies stayed overnight with her for a few days to, to, to help her in the early recovery. And I know that uh, Ron had an episode a few months ago, and, and you ladies stepped up and stayed with Terry 24-7 for about four days, four or five days, something like that. And, and it's those big occasions that we love each other, but do we love each other enough to, to follow the commands in the scriptures to encourage one another. So I want to know how many of you this past week were encouraged by somebody from the fellowship here that's not a sibling or a spouse. Go ahead and raise your hand. Praise the Lord. That's more than last week. Maybe you're getting the idea. Keep it up. Because in the first part of Acts chapter 20, Paul is, is encouraging, as he's leaving Ephesus after the big uproar there, he's encouraging the churches in Macedonia, and then he goes on over to Greece, and then he comes back and he, he encourages the, the church in... in um, why, why am I not... I, I know it starts with a T. There we go, Troas. Wow. Brain blank there. 
but he's encouraging the, the church in Troas. Then we have verses 13 to 16. We have a little bit of a, his itinerary, travel itinerary there. We know that he took about a 20-mile walk by himself. Like some of the guys went by boat to the next city. And, and, and Paul just needed some time to, to be alone with the Lord and, and to be still and to be quiet. But keep encouraging one another because that's how... We will know that we love one another. Um, I'm going to take a minute. I don't know if I got it or not, but I'm going to take it. Hebrews, we looked at Hebrews and we talked um, verses 19 through 25. And verse 25 is the big one that says not forsaking yourselves. And that's the one that, you know, you've got to be in church because you shouldn't be forsaking. And, and, And they missed the whole point of the whole passage. Okay, that's important, but that's not the point of the passage. And and since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Remember when he, at, at the moment that he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, a heart without wax, a heart that's pure and true, a heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here we go. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You need to be here to encourage us. And you need to be here to be encouraged by us. Okay? It's a two-way street. That's, that's why you need to be here. To stimulate one another to love. To encourage and build each other up. I, I, I always remember this. I'm sure I've shared it with you sometime over the years, but I remember sitting in the orderly room in Belgium, and, and I was flat out giving the gospel to one of the girls that I worked with. And, and another brother came in from a born-again Christian who worked in the air traffic control tower, came into the orderly room. And man, I, I, knew, I knew as soon as he hit that door and he heard what I was saying, I know he started praying. I know he started praying. And, and the boldness and the, the confidence that that builds and you can take it just, I, I, I just remember that, that feeling, that the boldness that it just all the more wanted to share. And so we need to be here to stimulate one another to love, to stimulate one another to encouragement. And that's our responsibility. And Paul is in, in the first couple of verses of 20 as he's leaving the churches and then going on to the next churches. And in uh, verse 1 it says, and to the, to the believers in Ephesus there as he left it, he had exhorted them. And then in verse 2, when he got to the other churches, he gave them much exhortation, much encouragement. We need to much encourage each other, okay? Now don't be writing down my, my, my poor grammar or whatever, but we need to be encouraging one another a lot, Okay? And that's, and that's what, the, what part of Paul's ministry was to encourage and exhort. 
So as we get into chapter 20 again today, verses 13 to 16 were the, the itinerary. We're going to, Lord willing, we're going to try to do all of 17 to 38 today. Um, let's get started. But uh, verse 16, just to go back, Paul decided to sail past Ephesus in order that he might not, and this sounds bad, but in order that he might not have to spend time there, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Paul knew that if he stopped at Ephesus again, he had just spent three years there, and, and then he went, you got our map painted? Yeah, yeah, thank you, Stephen. He, he came up to the churches here and came over this way, and now he's headed back this way. And, and he had just spent three years there. They say this, this time over and back was, some think it was as much as a year. I don't think it was quite that long, but regardless, however long it was, he, he's going he's gonna to sail past Ephesus here and come down here to Miletus. Well, well that just sounds kind of bad. He, he, he didn't want to go. Well, why didn't he want to? Because he knew he'd get stuck there again, either ministering to the people or, or even, the, even the threat of, of danger from the Jews in Ephesus that weren't believers, that, that they might cause him strife and even have him thrown in jail. And, and he really didn't want that because he wanted to get back to Jerusalem uh, in time for, for Pentecost. Okay? So that, that is why he doesn't want to stop there. But when he gets to Miletus, he sends back in verse 17, he sent to, the, to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church to come see him in Miletus. Now the whole church didn't come. Uh, it, was, it was the leadership, the spiritual leadership of the church of Ephesus. So understand today that, that this passage from the 17 to the end of the chapter, verse 38, he, he's preaching to the elders of the church in Ephesus. They, they come down to greet him. Uh, verse 18 says, When they come to him, uh, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. And I need to back up and look at my notes and slow down. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's preaching to the pastors. And um, no, normally when you when you preacher when you do a, a, a paper thinking of college when you're doing term papers or your your senior thesis or whatever um, you you have you have a statement that, that you normally lead off and then your paper or your time is going to be spent supporting or proving that statement jump to verse 28 if you would just for a moment be a, this is this is Paul's statement to the leaders of the church in Ephesus that have come down to see him in Miletus. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So his, this is what he's, he wants to do with, with his time with them. The short time before he hops back on the boats and, he and heads back towards Jerusalem, the time that he spends with them, he wants to tell them, teach them, wake up, leaders of the church, wake up, be on guard, be ready, and, and know that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church, which God purchased with his own blood. And in in I'm sure that every word that, that Paul spoke with them is not recorded here because, you know, he, he, just, he just got done in, in, uh, back in Troy speaking all night from, you know, sundown to midnight and when 
uh, Eutychus, Eutychus fell out of the window and died and okay, all that. So this, this, is, this is not typical Paul if it's just limited to these first few verses here. But this is, this is what the Holy Spirit led Luke to, to record as to what Paul spoke into the hearts of the leaders that came down from Ephesus to be on guard for yourselves. And just briefly, if, if there is a, a, a sub-thesis or a, a, a sub-point to, to his thesis statement there in verse 24, in the middle of the verse, he says that I may finish my course. And, and Paul uh, shared with Timothy, First uh, Timothy 4, 7, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And that's not the verse I was looking for. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself. And to your teaching, persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those that hear you. That, that's a, a, just a, a reiteration or a reminder of his thesis statement here of what he's, what he's doing. Uh, telling the people to be uh, on guard, pay attention to yourself and to your teaching. Um, it's difficult for a pastor or an elder uh, to lead the flock if he's living in sin. You won't ever find a perfect pastor because we too are human, we too still sin. But if that is more of their life than not, there's a problem. I want to read, read a, uh, a short excerpt from, from uh, Charles Spurgeon on his lectures to his students and the, and, and the, the regard or the, the quote is in regard to the need for the minister to guard his own personal character. Now, you almost might find this a little humorous, but humor is not the intent. We have all heard the story of the man who preached so well and lived so badly that when he was in the pulpit, everybody said he ought never to come out again. And when he was out of the pulpit, they all declared that he never ought to enter it again. Too many preachers forget to serve God when they are out of the pulpit. Their lives are negatively inconsistent. Abhor, dear brethren, the thought of being clockwork ministers who are not alive by abiding grace within, but are wound up by temporary influences. Men who are only ministers for the time being, under the stress of the hour of ministering, but cease to be ministers when they descend the pulpit stairs. True ministers are always ministers. It is a horrible thing to be an inconsistent minister. Tony Moreta, in whose book that quote I found that was, uh, he comments, Spurgeon's charge is a call to consistency. Not perfection, but consistency. We who are overseers must live a consistent life of godliness. We must consistently care for the flock in word and in deed. Now we kind of got his thesis statement and, and that his, his purpose, his whole purpose, and this is his third missionary journey, is that he will finish his course. Well, who, is, who set out his course for him? The Lord did. The Lord set his course out for him and, and he sets your course for you and your course is different than her course and different than his course, different than my course and different than his course. 
but the Lord sets your course out for you. Is it a driving goal and desire in your life to fulfill what he has for you? Because remember, if you're still here, he ain't done with you yet. Don't care how old you are, how decrepit you are. If you're here, it's because he's still using you. Let him use you. Strive to complete the ministry that he has set for you. Mary and Martha, and Mary's at the feet of Jesus complaining that Martha's just being busy. Jesus said she did what she could. She's doing what she can. And what each of us does is different than the person sitting next to us. I can't do what you can do. Don't have the same skill set. Isn't that right, John? John knows. John knows I don't have that skill set. Set about and determine each day as you walk with the Lord that you will strive to fulfill the ministry that God has given you. Now, how, how does Paul do that? The, the title of the message is The Serve. There's going to be a lot of thes, so if you want to follow or in notes or an outline, if I say the, you know it's another step in it. And the first step is the people. Verse 18, you know yourselves from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. <coughs> he, he, he was in with the people. That's what the shepherd's supposed to be. I got a book that says you want to be a shepherd, you got to smell like the sheep. If you don't smell like the sheep, you're probably not a good shepherd. Paul says, I've been with you. They, he, he was with them for three years. You know how I live, and, and I don't want to get ahead. You'll see in the next few verses. You know how I live. You know how I work. You know how I minister. You know what I preach. You know what I teach. You know who I am. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials which came upon me through the plot of the Jews. Beth and I, and probably some of you probably know this or have heard the story, Beth and I met on the tennis court when we were in Bible college. And we fell in love, love. Okay, moving right along. I tell you, I shouldn't try jokes. But when you serve the tennis ball, you're going to try to put in a place where the other person isn't. I mean, the object is to score a point. And you may, you may try to deceive it and make it look like you're going that way and you're going to hit it that way. You may try to put spin on the ball so when it hits, it goes funny and makes it difficult to return. I think of a... a but, but, but when you go to serve, the ball's right up there for everybody to see. You, you, you can't hide it. It's up there, but what you're trying to hide, what your intention is, what you're going to do with it. Same thing with a volleyball player when they serve. The ball, they throw the ball up and then hit it, but you don't know what kind of spin they're going to try to put on it. Some of them jump when they, when they serve the ball to, to get a better angle on it. 
quarterback in football. It's, it's all about the deception. You don't want the defense to know what you're doing, whether it's going to be a handoff, whether it's going to be a pass, a, a flea flicker, what a, a run, whatever. The offense does everything they can to mask what they're going to do when the ball is served back to the quarterback. Is a pastor, I could add a baseball pitcher too for that matter, but as a pastor, the goal is not to set up the serve to deceive anyone, to pull a fast one on you, to pull a trick. Paul says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which come upon me through the plots of the Jews. He was there to serve, to, to be transparent, to be open with them. He, there, there was no tricky spin he was going to put on the serve or no fake end around or whatever. He was going to be real to them. And they, they had the three years to see it. And now he's again reminding the elders of who he is and, 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 and what he was when he was with them. Verses 20 and 21, the teaching of the word. We've got the people, the serve, the word. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at different times, I've pointed out uh, earlier on in Acts of, of the list of seven or eight active verbs that God did for the people of, of Israel. And then there's a couple other chapters where we've pointed out the, the action verbs of, of Paul. In, in his ministry. And again, today we have a few of those action verbs. We have in verse 19, the serving. Verse 20, the teaching. In verse 21, the testifying. How was he teaching? He, he taught publicly. He taught in the synagogue. He taught on the street corner and from house to house. He was, he was prepared and he was ready to preach and teach Whenever, wherever. In the word to, uh, in verse 21, solemnly testifying, we, we know that as a testif, uh, uh, let me start again. If you're going to testify, you're, you're a, you think of a courtroom, you're a witness to the truth. Or, or hopefully the, the prosecutor is hoping that you're going to support the truth. And Paul says here, I witnessed to you. I was a witness of what God has done in my life. I, I, I was a witness to you, to what the Word of God says and what it means. And we'll see in, in verse, if you, if you jumped over to verse 29, well, 28 and 29 is part of his responsibility of being on guard and trying to protect the flock, is to teach the Word testify to Jews and to Greeks, he, he was inclusive there, of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about that repentance. Again, our picture here is that God stands here and we're supposed to be right here next to him in our relationship with him. And as the world goes that way, 
when we, I can't even remember what the instance was, but Beth and I talk, were talking this week, and it was like, ah, there it is, sliding away from, away from the Lord, but we're keeping our distance from the world, but we're sliding away from the Lord, and we ought not to be doing that. But when you're, when you're walking towards the world, even before you know Jesus, when you're walking towards the world, the idea of repentance is to turn around. It's a, it's a 180 and it's a turnaround to, to come stand next to the Lord, to be next to the Lord in your relationship with Him. If, if anybody ever tries to convince me that they're a Christian and they, they don't, they can't give me, and, and I understand you forget the date and the time and maybe the location and things like that. But if you can't remember an instance in your life when you turned from the world and turned around and walked towards God, I'm going to question your salvation. Not, not to your face. I'll pray for you and, and leave that up to the Lord because He's the judge. He, he's the one that's going to make that decision when you die. But if there isn't a moment of repentance, and well, I just kind of grew into my Christianity... That's a bunch of hogwash from the world. Your mama remembers the moment you came out of her. And that's on your birth certificate. You ought to be able to remember the moment in your spiritual life when you came to Jesus. When you were, had the second birth. When you had the spiritual birth. Like I say, you, you, know, you might just remember that it was in Bible school when you were a kid. You might not remember that it was on June 9th, 1970 that you came to Jesus, okay? I get that. But there needs to be that moment where you know in your life that you turned from the world, you repented of your sin, and you came to Jesus. I pray that each one of you that claims to know Jesus has that experience and can remember that. It's a pretty, pretty important date you need to remember. Paul says, I did not shrink. <laughs> I don't think Paul ever shrank from anything in his life. I mean, when he was persecuting Christians, he was going to be the best one at it. And when he came to Jesus, when he, when he came to Jesus, i got to keep it right here, and repented and, and came to the Lord, he was, he was going to be the best he could be at what he was doing. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you publicly house to house, and witnessing, testifying, telling to Jews and Greeks. Verse 20, verses 22 to 24, we have the Holy Spirit. And now behold, bound in spirit, on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any count as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Said so the Holy Spirit, if, and we've talked about this earlier in Acts 2, that if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. 
If you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, then you know that you're not born again. That you are not a Christian if you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. It's, it's, it's a, I'm sure a mathematician could put that in a good sort of algebraic equation or something that would make sense to mathematicians. But if this, then that, and if not this, then not that. If you, if you got God, you got the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you know you don't have God. It's, it's, it's easy. It's that simple. But the Holy Spirit is, is actively telling Paul that you're going to continue to suffer. And, and as if Paul hadn't had enough of that already. All of his beatings. And, and we, we know that the, when, when he left Thessalonica, I don't know if you remember when he left Thessalonica, they, they scurried him out at nighttime under darkness and got him over to Berea so that he would be safe. And, and, and then some of the, the, the Jews that wanted to keep stirring trouble in Thessalonica, they said, well, he, he's not genuine. He's not true to the faith. He, he, he skated out of here. He wasn't, he wasn't sincere in his faith. If he was, he would have stayed here and faced the music. And the same thing is, is kind of what's happening here in Ephesus. Is that they are... Um, they're, they're, it's a smear campaign, is what it is. It's a, it's a smear campaign to try to discredit Paul and his testimony. And, and if you can discredit the messenger, then you can usually discredit the message. And so they're trying to discredit who he is and, and what he did and what his service was and what he preached and what he witnessed and what he testified of. He says, I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself, that I may finish my course in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. Just as Christians and believers, and, and Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, 4, 7 and 8, that, that, that he's going to receive the crown of glory, and, and those that look forward to the coming of Jesus will also receive that crown. Believers, are you looking forward to the return of Jesus? It, it ought to be a longing. It ought to be a desire. It, it should be, you know, it's like me wanting that Hershey candy bar with almonds in it. You don't have to force me to do that. I long for that. I love that. As Christians, we ought to be looking for the return of our great Savior and God. Paul says here, I want to finish my course. I want to finish the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Maybe not in those exact words or terms, but is that a goal every morning when you wake up and you put your feet on the floor as you get out of bed? Lord, today help me get closer to finishing the ministry that you have for me. May I live my life today in such a way that other people will see you working through me for your glory, but in that for me, in my heart, I know that it's getting me closer to the completion of the ministry that you have for me. Verse 25, And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. 
Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not, again, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And that's another one of those things when you, uh, I'm sure on Wednesday night the ladies Bible study and they're, they're learning how to Bible study is that when you, you, you look at a thought that's repeated, it's there for emphasis and, and it's something that you need to pay attention to. I know when we were in Bible study methods in college, you'd, the, the, the instructors say, okay, go home and by class on Wednesday you have to have a list of 500 observations from these 18 verses. What? 500 observations? Well, then you start counting. How many times is the word there? The word there is used 18 times. In, in the, you know, and that's how you, and the, the intent was not, they didn't care how many times the word the was there or the time, how many times the word is was there. They wanted you to be focusing and concentrating so much on that passage of Scripture that it was just soaking into you. But here, Verse 20 and, and, and uh, verse 27 both uses the word, I did not shrink, or the term, I did not shrink. Do you shrink? Do I shrink? <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could. <laughs> not in this sense, though. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. He preached the whole message, the whole word. He didn't pick on his, because, you know, you can pick a couple verses out of the Bible and make them say whatever you want. And that's the danger of cults. You've got, you got to be careful and look out for. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was with Jimmy Jones, but I don't know, it was that 30, 30, 40 years ago now probably, when they all went to South America somewhere and drank the Kool-Aid, literally. And they poisoned and they all died. Because this, this, this cult leader focused on just one or two verses and, and put their whole lives around that. Paul says, I, I didn't do that. I, I preached the whole purpose of God. I didn't pick out my pet peeve and, and stand on my soapbox and just preach that. And, his, and, his, and, and Paul wants these elders, again, remember who he's preaching to, who he's talking with here the elders from the church at Ephesus, he wants them to understand and know that they need to preach the whole counsel of God. They need to preach the whole word. I just picked their pet little passage that makes them feel good. He says, I, I preach the whole word. And, and I can have a clear conscience. If you want a love word here, it's the conscience for verses 25 to 27. says, I am innocent to the blood of all men. We won't take the time to turn there, but, but that's a reference to Ezekiel. He says, I am innocent of the blood of all men. When the, when the, the, the guard was in, a, the, the watchman was in the tower, and he'd see the enemy come, and then he had to turn and warn everybody, wake up, we're under attack, whatever. If the people didn't, Listen to the watchmen. Their blood was on their own hands. But if the watchmen fell asleep and didn't warn the people, and, and they came in and they were all killed, the blood of all the, of the people in the town or the village was on his head. Because he didn't fulfill his responsibility as the watchman to warn them. Are we fulfilling our responsibility as the watchman and warning our neighbors? 
warning our family members that don't know Jesus. Paul's telling the elders, warn them. I, I have fulfilled my obligation, I have fulfilled my ministry. And I'm, I'm moving on to the next phase that God has for me. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. But to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, guys, you're going to be here long term. You're going to be here in Ephesus. You're, you're the watchman. Tell them. Warn them. And then Paul warns them. Back to our, our thesis statement. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Look out. Be aware. Don't have your head stuck in the sand. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I was afraid that was going to happen. And we got about halfway there. But I don't, want to, I don't want to try to cram it in because there's too much in the verses 29 to 38. I don't want to leave that short. Guard yourselves, people. Guard yourselves. And we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. My mind just always goes back to the to the Paul Tripp quote that the song the song of your heart will set the agenda for your life. What's the song of your heart? What what is it be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock? The, the first part be on guard for yourselves. Again, what we talked about at the beginning and Spurgeon addressed in that, the short clip that I, that I read from him. We can't be good ministers of the Word if we're wallowing in sin. What are you, what are you wallowing in? What are you meditating on? What are you marinating in? Are we, are we marinating in the world's entertainment? In the world's music? I'm starting to sound like an old guy. What are you marinating in? It's, it's really difficult. If there's no joy in your own life, and if you're, and you're, if you're wallowing and living in sin, there's not going to be joy in your life. But if you're, if you're doing that and there's not joy in your life, how in the world can you encourage one another? How can you encourage someone else that needs encouraging? Be on guard for yourselves. Set the guard around you. Live in the truth. Spend time in the Word. Spend time with the Lord in, in quiet communion. 
When it gets quiet in here, it almost hurts your ears, doesn't it? Let your ears hurt a little bit during the week. Be quiet. Be still. And it'll be easier to know that He is God if you will be still. Be on guard for yourselves. Paul serves, taught, testified. He was a witness. He took punishment, physical and verbal. But his eyes the whole time were on the goal of finishing the ministry that the Lord Jesus set before him. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. God, give us joy that we may encourage one another. And we know that encouragement is not our chief end, but it is a, a purpose for which you have for us to accomplish. Help us to guard ourselves, to be cautious with what we let ourselves encounter during the week for what we sit in, what we marinate in, what we stew in. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for the life and the ministry of Paul. We give this week to you and and just remember the opportunities we think of see you at the poll on Wednesday morning. We pray for the teens of our community. They need to know you. They need to have people serving them, people testifying to them, people witnessing and preaching to them the word of Jesus Christ. For the women coming on Saturday, open hearts and minds. May there be repentance because of the word shared. May there be joy in hearts when those hearts are made right with you, Father. We look forward to this week. We look forward with excitement to what you have in it for us. And Father, please help us not to come up short, but help us to not shrink this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um,